you are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Today's episode of Rootbound is brought to you by corn. From the Ohio River to the Northern Platte, every highway, byway, hey, look at all that corn. Hey, Steve here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Rootbound. And today at the top of the show, I want to talk a little bit about berries. The other day I was out in my neighborhood and uh, I was picking some berries, which we're going to hear about later in the show. And that got me thinking about what is the definition of a berry? You know, I think I know, understand what a berry is kind of at least commonly, but I've never really read the Wikipedia page for berry. So of course, that's what I did when I got home. And uh, it turns out that definition of a berry is much more narrow than I think we, at least botanically, it's much more narrow than we're all used to. Um, it's kind of like that thing where, you know, they say that a tomato is a fruit and not a vegetable, which is true. Botanically, a t- tomato is a fruit and not a vegetable. And there's a lot of things like that, right? Maybe like a squash is also like that. It's, it is a fruit botanically and not a vegetable. Uh, well, it turns out... Uh, Tomatoes and squash are also botanically berries, which is interesting. Um, The definition, according to Wikipedia, of a berry is a fleshy fruit without a stone or pit produced from a single flower containing one ovary. And some examples of botanical berries are currants and blueberries and grapes, which we don't normally think of them as berries, but they are. And uh, But then also, as I said, tomatoes and squash... And also eggplant and cucumbers and even bananas are all botanically berries. And a lot of things that we call berries um, are not botanically berries. So, for example, raspberries are not botanically berries. They are aggregate fruits. And strawberries are not botanically berries. They are apparently something called an accessory fruit, which sounds cute. And then even the berry that I was picking, which I'm going to talk about later in this episode, June berries or service berries, they aren't berries, they are poems, which is more similar to an apple uh, from my understanding. Maybe in another episode, I'll, I'll go through some more details about each of these different kinds of fruits. We've actually talked about droops in the past, which is a classification of fruit. Berry is also a classification of fruit. And those other things I talked about, aggregate fruits, accessory fruits, poems, and there's a bunch of other ones, and they're all very fascinating. I'm learning about them now, but but I think the overall <laughs> message, if there's anything at the top of the show today, is that there's lots of things that we call berries that are not technically botanically berries. But you know what? There is a difference between botanical and, like, common usage. And so it's okay to call raspberries berries, and, and, uh, and you don't have to be that guy at the party who says, well, actually that's not a berry, it's an aggregate fruit, uh, because common usage, we treat them as berries, botanical is different. So anyway, that's that's my thoughts about berries, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think it's time to get on to the guest segment today. Try some more. The strawberries taste like strawberries. The snozberries taste like snozberries. Snozberries? Who ever heard of a snozberry? We are the music makers. 
And we are the dreamers of dreams. Hi, Jewel. How's it going? Good. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Thank you for coming to the show. Um, just, just for the listeners really quick, it might sound a little bit different because we are, uh, if you remember back in the episode where we talked about Wormwood um, with Chantal, we're in that same bar, but the bar is currently closed because I'm, uh, I'm speaking with the manager of that bar before it opens. So that's why it sounds a little bit different today. I'm hoping to do more of these kind of like, you know, in the field recordings in the future. But uh, welcome, Jewel. Thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, do you have a plan to share with us today? Yes, I am going to discuss with you fennel. Awesome. Uh, fennel is a plant I, I have very little experience with. I feel like I say that in a lot of episodes, which is funny for a guy who hosts a podcast <laughs> about plants, but I'm excited to learn more about fennel because I feel like I haven't appreciated it. I wanted to do fennel um, partially because uh, my personal connection with fennel is that about three years ago now, I saw some sweet fennel seeds in um, the store, just a hardware store. And I was like, hey, that sounds fun. Let me grow that. And so then I put some in the ground. I followed the instructions and they're still alive. And that's not supposed to happen apparently, but here we are three years later. And uh, yeah, I thought this uh, freeze this past year, because we had a pretty bad winter. uh, There were a few weeks where it was below freezing pretty significantly. I thought that finally did it in and I lost two of the roots, but I thought um, new seeds had fallen and it was growing from that, but it turns out it is the original root system for all but those two that did die. <laughs> Interesting. So is it is it one of those ones that is perennial but not in cold places? Typically, from what I can see, it, it can grow very much as a weed, but I think that was because the assumption was that the seeds are so prevalent that you'll always miss some even if you're harvesting them. Um, but... They typically don't just stay alive for this long, from mm. what I've understood mm-hmm. from looking into gardening blogs. So it's a little strange, but hey, I'm delighted to have them. The bees are very happy in my yard. <laughs> uh, that's that's really uh, interesting. So what have you, what have you done with this fennel that you've been growing for three years? Well, I uh, harvest the seeds sometimes. Uh, one t- couple times, I've made shrubs out of them for the bar. Um, there was a, an orange and a fennel frond and flower shrub that I made. So I actually used the pollen and the fronds and just threw them right in the shrub for a couple of weeks. And that was pretty cool. It comes up with a pretty subtle vegetal taste as opposed to if you were using, say, the seeds. The mature seeds have a lot stronger of a taste. Um, and I didn't really want it to overpower the orange and whatnot. I wanted it to just bring out a, some subtle notes. So it worked pretty well in that. Uh, these are the sweet, the herb fennel plants. Um, I'll discuss that a little bit later. Um, so they don't produce the bulbs. Um, like you would get um, from the other varietal. Okay. um, Just going back for the listeners, and I'm also always going to forget exactly what the definition of a shrub is, and it's not the botanical definition, (laughs) but the drink definition. I suppose since we are discussing plants, I should uh, differentiate, (laughs) yes. A shrub is typically when you take mostly equal parts of water, or sorry, not water, sugar, uh, fruit juice, um, which you usually do a cold process maceration with that, um, let it really pull out the flavors over the course of a few days. You can also do hot process, but you're not going to get the fresh flavors of the fresh fruit. You're going to chemically change it, mm-hmm. um, which you don't always want necessarily. And then vinegar is your third ingredient. Uh, okay. And it's used as like a flavoring agent. In, in, exactly. Yeah. And so I'll oftentimes if I make like a melon one, I'll add mint to it or and black pepper. Uh, those work really well with mm-hmm. it. Um, the, the fennel blossoms work really well for some of the citrus ones. Uh, you can even do spice in there, throw some jalapenos in there if you want to do a lime shrub with some uh, some fun Ooh, stuff. Cool, so. yeah. Um, and then just 
just before we move on to some of these fun facts and dazzling details, what, how would you describe the flavor of fennel, or where do we where do we see that? It's one of those ones that I feel like I have in the back of my mind, but like I said, I'm, I'm not having it all the time. Uh, yeah, what is fennel's flavor like? Fennel is often compared to anise. Um, it has anethol, which is the same compound that gives anise its flavor um, to some extent. Uh, it has less anethol than the anise does. Um, for this reason, it is used in combination with anise and a lot of things like alcohol, which I'll also talk about in a little bit. Um, but you're going to get that slight licorice flavor. It's a little bit more vegetal um, mm-hmm. than the full-on anise flavor if you're eating the fronds. Um, those are usually used as kind of a garnish element, um, especially on fish dishes is very popular for Southern Italy, um, Southern France. Um, so the fronds will give you a nice light vegetal, little bit licorice flavor. The seeds have a little bit more of that licorice flavor, um, in countries like India and even in Europe, a lot of people will chew them at the end of a meal or traditionally in Europe, they would chew it in church to keep their breath fresh. Oh. <laughs> um, interesting, uh, before, good. you know modern toothpaste um and then uh, yeah the the bulbs themselves there is a very slight licorice flavor but not a whole lot um honestly they once you roast them they kind of turn out a little more sweet yeah they're a little bit I, i think i've had those in a csa before and it's just a little bit more like a I don't know, not not a celery, but some other kind of root, similar, root, yeah, root vegetable that's just yeah. Um, great. Well, yeah. Do you have some fun facts and dazzling details about fennel? I do. So that lovely compound anethol that I was just talking about. Um, so anethol, if you make an oil, uh, the essential oils that come from fennel, um, it can contain anywhere from thirty to ninety percent of the the oil is going to be anethol and anethol is a pretty interesting um compound because um i know you talked a little bit about it when you had chantal on uh that it's called the ouzo effect um or the louche effect um that happens when you put water in absinthe uh, it's um spontaneous colloidal effect um or spontaneous um what's the word i'm looking for it like um I, I should know this better because my wife is a chemist. But it, it, <laughs> she knows exactly it, yeah, what we're talking about. <laughs> it, 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 um, it precipitates. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. So that's what creates that cloudy thing because those oils are just breaking apart at a super high rate, even when you're just adding a little bit of water in there. Uh, so that's why that has that effect. Um, it's a oh, spontaneous emulsion. That's what oh, it's called. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yes. Right, <laughs> right. And when it precipitates, it makes an emulsion. That makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's got a decent amount of that compound, not quite as much as anise has, but you're still going to, it's going to feed into that effect (laughs) that it's got. Um, now for this reason, it is obviously used a lot in alcohol production for the, along with anise. Um, so for alcohol, there are three main types, um, that we use it in. Um, and then there's also a traditional liqueur. So absinthe we've already discussed. Mm-hmm. I know you went into that a little bit more with uh, Chantal, who knows a lot more about absinthe than I do. <laughs> so I'll let people go back and listen to that. Um, gin and aquavit, mm-hmm. um, kind of same family as far as what their purpose does in a drink. Um, those both traditionally use fennel seeds is the more popular one. Uh-huh. Um, and then kumel is a traditional German... Russians also made it. They made it in the Netherlands. Uh, the British love to drink it, but <laughs> Germany really does the bulk of the production and drinking. And that is a liqueur that has caraway seeds, cumin, and fennel. Oh, okay, cool. And it's pretty delicious. Very, very strong. I actually have a drink downstairs right now. Um, it's a beer tail with a 
with oh. the cool in it and so it only uses a quarter of an ounce of it and it just really affects the drink so strongly and it's delicious and it's made with a sour beer and aquavit so you're really getting that extra fennel flavor in there it's really nice cool that sounds fun yeah very interesting um yeah, what else, what else do you have? I, uh, I'm looking, Jules got this really great set of notes here on the, on the bar. <laughs> I did a little too much research. <laughs> I love it. So um, in cooking, um, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's used, so basically fennel is originally from the Middle East. Okay. But it's spread very quickly. Um, it's even said in farmer's almanacs that to... Uh, that's the quote. To sow fennel is to sow trouble. Oh. <laughs> because it, uh, it, it does uh, produce pretty rapidly, as we already discussed. Um, I've, I've been pulling up all the new shoots because I don't need more than the current root systems that I have. I can plant more if they die this winter. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's a very high producer. Um, but they will say that sometimes because uh, apparently it can be poisonous to livestock. So, um, granted, I'm sure a cow would have to eat a ton of it in order for that to happen, but given how prevalent the growth rate is, I'm sure that could happen occasionally. So, I don't know. I don't have any livestock to test that theory, nor would I want to. (laughs) Um, So, the flowers uh, that produce the pollen, uh, the pollen has a little bit lighter flavor, as I said. Um, In in Italy, they call that the spice of angels. Oh, interesting. Uh, They tend to be, the the southern Italy uh, crowd tends to be the only one that uses that pretty prevalently in cooking. And you um, said the pollen also has a little bit of the anise flavor? Or? It does. Yeah. And a lot of vegetalness will come out too. But again, it's very, very subtle with the mm-hmm. pollen. Um, and you tend to add that really late in the cooking process. And, and when you've collected the pollen, how, how do you go about that? You can either dry the flowers and then just shake the pollen off. Mm. Or it, the pollen, if you handle fennel flowers, it is it just comes flying off, honestly. Um, cool. I had some as decoration at the bar from my garden a few years ago because they were just, it was out of control. And I was like, I have too many for this shrub. I don't know what to do with them. They're kind of pretty. Let me put them on the bar. Uh-huh. And then I had to wipe fennel pollen <laughs> off the bar multiple times a day. And it looked great. And it lasted a decent amount of time. But it was a lot of work. So they they produce a lot of pollen. Um, it takes a lot to get the flavor. But again... Fennel is a high producer, <laughs> goes to flower pretty productively, so pretty easy to growing, do in your own garden. Growing trouble. Exactly. <laughs> so we were talking about cooking. Yes, it is one of the ingredients in Chinese five spice. Mm. Um, it is also one of the ingredients in the nine herbs charm to get rid of poison and infection oh. back from old school in Europe. <laughs> one of the very first plants I talked about, I think the very first plant I talked about is one called bittercress, which is a common weed, but mm. it is also one of the plants in the nine herbs chart. Oh, nice. Yeah. I learned about that. I was like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. But yeah. yeah. Um, and then it's uh, it's an herb de Provence a lot. Um, it's used pretty much everywhere from China to India to Sri Lanka to Europe, obviously in rye breads in Eastern Europe. Mm. A lot of that flavor is coming from both caraway or fennel. Mm. Um, so... That's pretty cool. You can use it in sweet pastries. The seed is typically what you'll do. Um, And then it's commonly used as a pickling spice as well and in vinegar production. They'll use it as a flavoring. So, yeah. Um, And like I said, southern Italy and southern France really, really like to use it, especially with the fish dishes. Goes well with chicken, goes well in pasta. And fennel seeds, obviously, are very popular as an ingredient with sausage, especially pork sausage. Yeah. Wow, yeah, I need to get, I need to experiment with some fennel. I, I really haven't, especially the it's seeds. It's pretty delicious. Yeah, I should, <laughs> maybe I should try to grow some. If I, I'm used to growing plants that kind of spread like crazy, so I'll just oh, add, perfect. Another, so, add another yeah. one to, to the batch. 
Yeah. Might as well. At, at least for this one, the, it doesn't spread from the root system. It spreads from the seeds itself. So it's not like mint, which is mm-hmm. going to completely take over underground. This is really something that you can control above ground because you can just pluck them up once the seeds Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, fertilize. yeah, that's good to know. I have this uh, plant in my yard. It's called the uh, Jerusalem artichoke. I'm not oh, sure I love familiar. that stuff. They're really fun, but they grow by these tubers, and they mm-hmm. just like—they're really hard to fight. But I, I have them in like a raised bed, so they kind of can't get out. But they still—they're—they're <laughs> they're blocked off on all but one side, but they are keep trying to creep over to the side that they're free. Yeah, but, yeah, and they—and they, you never have to plant them again. Like they're really cool. But I yeah, should anyway. grow some. I love sun. They're chips. so fun. Uh, I can—I can give you the, maybe. Well, it'll have to be next next uh fall but i can give you tubers because Ooh, i would love yeah. some tubers yeah <laughs> yeah are we're missing any other fun facts about fennel here um yes let's see oh it's got a lot of health benefits um which is pretty cool um i'll let people look at that in the sources um it, there's a lot of scientific articles and stuff um it turns out that using it in that nine herbs charm to get rid of poison and infection is pretty accurate mm. um there are it can even have anti-cancerous properties mm. and it can help in the production of breast milk oh wow um, so it's pretty wide variety of health benefits there um folklore is where i found it really interesting um because there are a few things so the big one is that prometheus when he stole the fire from the gods he hid it in a hollow fennel stalk oh wow. <laughs> so that's uh, how ancient fennel is um it may not be the the current varietal that we're using now but it's a, a a direct descendant is what we eat now interesting i'm trying to think about how you hide fire from a god in a fennel stock does that make sense to you as a fennel grower Would- you i mean i don't know how you hide fire necessarily because it would cook the fennel and it would probably just you know the fronds would disintegrate but when you uh, have the stalk particular or when you have the bulb you can pull it apart kind of like a giant onion oh yeah so there is sneak some stuff in there yeah in there. very interesting yeah i had no idea yeah so uh so it has um some role in greek mythology um in ancient england they said that you can put a few fennel seeds in keyholes to get rid of ghosts oh, that's a good one <laughs> so if you are having a haunting problem hey it's worth a shot right yeah i mean i mean yeah just uh, i i do think keyholes were a little bit bigger back then i think you they could, were <laughs> might do some damage to your locks but you know if, if it gets rid of the ghost it's exactly worth it yeah yeah and even now you know they they probably disintegrate pretty quickly if they were older fennel seeds so hey yeah sure. can't hurt to try if uh if you <laughs> need that in your life it could be an inexpensive solution worst case scenario change your lock (laughs) exactly yeah and then um the ancient greeks also had some strange ideas about it and shakespeare even got this in some of his writings but it was said that snakes rubbed against fennel to improve their eyesight um okay i don't believe was true but yeah i wonder who was the first guy to decide that was a thing pliny the elder oh okay yeah he's 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 the first guy for a lot lot of the guys (laughs) He had some strange ideas about stuff, but indeed, you know. Indeed. <laughs> Don't worry, I know how to talk to these people. Thank goodness you have organic fennel. The fennel at the farmer's market is only transitional. Oh, typical. Small farmers ruining it for the really small farmers. Very, very, very good. Interesting. Well, well, thanks for sharing about fennel. I'm definitely going to try to incorporate more fennel into my life now. Do you mind if I share a plant with you? Yes, please do. Oh, great. I brought visual aids... I've got a few different things here. You might know what this plant is, but um, 
but you bear with me because I think I think there's some definitely some fun facts there. I also need to pull up my notes properly because that's that's a theme in this podcast, at least for me, <laughs> is not pulling up my notes in time. Okay, I've got them. So I I I kind of didn't get into plants till like later in my life. Um, on a recent episode, my friend said uh, botany comes with age. Which I thought was very <laughs> apropos. So I didn't know about this plant. I think if you're from this area, you probably know about it. I didn't move here till about ten years ago, and about ten years ago, I was volunteering for this organization called Lights Out DC, which is this cool, actually a nationwide, and it's this whole thing about getting businesses to turn their lights off during mm-hmm. migration season for birds. Um, and the other thing you can do is, though, you can volunteer to do these morning walks to try to find birds that have had bird strikes, and so they can help understand what's happening when the migration patterns and where mm-hmm. buildings are problems. So I volunteered to wake up really early and go wander around. That doesn't really have much to do with a bear, except for the woman who was doing the training for me to show me what I need to do. She said, do you mind if I take this side? Because at the end, I want to go get service berries from this place <laughs> over there. Yes. So, so I was like, oh, what's a service berry? She's like, they're great. They're like blueberries. Do you know about service berries? I do not. I did not grow up here, and I've been here for about 20 years now. But um, I don't know a lot of the the native plants, unfortunately. Yeah. So they're super cool. She showed them to me, but I didn't have time to stick around and harvest them. But then... I've always been interested in them a little bit here and there. Um, but yes, yeah, service berries, they are a berry that grows on a small shrub or tree. They're a little bit like a blueberry, but they grow more on a tree or shrub than a blueberry. It's more of a bush. Um, and they're very tasty. They are uh, they're native to this area. Um, I, have, I actually have a couple here, which oh, nice. um, you, so you can see what the berries look like. I have a little plastic bag of stuff. So there's berries. You can feel free to eat those. I washed them earlier if you want. They really do look like blueberries. Yeah. Um, they're, so yeah, while, while we're talking, feel free to give them a try. Um, Still one of these. <laughs> the uh, the um, Latin name of them is, is Amelanchier canadensis. And from my understanding, the uh, first name Amelanchier... There is a plant. There is one. There's one um, genuses of this in Europe that they knew about, and that was a name in some European language. And so when they discovered them here, they called it the Canadian Alm I'm sorry, <laughs> mispronouncing Latin names is really a theme on this podcast. I didn't too. even try because yeah. I'm so bad at Latin. So, <laughs> but there are apparently this in this genus, which I'm not going to try to pronounce again. The majority of them are in North America. There's only one in Europe and two in Asia, and the rest are in North America, which is interesting. Um, so let's talk about the common names. So serviceberry is one of the common names. It's also known as shadbush, uh, sarvisberry or serviceberry, or just service, juneberry, Saskatoon, amongst a bunch of other names. But I want to talk about a few of those ones. One is, is first, why is it called serviceberry? That is an interesting thing. It's just like, I don't know if you've got any service it for is. this. <laughs> I don't know, maybe uh, you know, old school hospitality was very into it. <laughs> yeah, so so the the apocryphal reason why it's called service berry is there was two. One is that they the um the they bloom really early. And so the two apocryphal names for service berries, one is when they started to bloom is when the roads were starting to clear so you could get service into areas up in the mountains, like mm-hmm. like you could travel there. Unbelievable. The more interesting one is that that is when the ground started to thaw, so you could have funerals for people who passed away yeah. over the winter. So it was the service berry, but apparently it's just because there was another plant that is similar in Europe called sorbus, 
and then in old English that became serve and service and so mm-hmm. even though the plant that's <laughs> that called sense. sorbus is not related to the service berry it's similar a lot of that stuff happens where when Europeans were naming stuff in this continent they just called it something similar exactly. they knew back there like corn <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly so um so so that's why it's called service berry it doesn't have anything to do with the word service it is also commonly called June berry. I kind of go back and forth between calling it service berry and June berry. It's called June berry because the berries are ripe in June. These are a little bit early. It's not quite June where we are yet. Um, uh, but these are ripe. Interestingly, they don't ripen all at once, which is one of the reasons why it's not very well known because it's not very commercially viable because the berries don't ripen all at once. And also, they're really hard to mechanically uh, pick. You have to kind of do them one by one. So it's kind of more of like something that you do for fun and you can't really like make a commercial crop out of them um the other name uh most common name that you'll hear about mostly people in canada call them saskatoons or saskatoon berries and that is a cree word for that tree and the town saskatoon saskatchewan is named after the tree and they grow that far north that's yeah yeah there's a few it's not it's not the canadensis it's another uh, another uh, genus but yeah there's Mm -hmm. about six and they grow pretty far uh north and yeah they're they're really cool yeah, it was delicious. I actually like it a lot better than blueberries. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, they're not as sweet, and like, yeah, they're really fun. Um, so let's see here. So, so getting a little bit more to my why they're important to me, or why they mean something to me, is that when we moved into our house a few years ago, well, it's actually maybe two. I think it was two years ago, maybe three. Anyway, I realized there's a, there's a little parking lot across the street from our house, and I, there was these berries. I was like, wait, there's little berries on those. What are those? And then I, I use this app that I have that like uses machine learning called mm-hmm. Seek. And I was like, they're, oh, these are service berries. I remember that from that woman telling me about them all those years ago. And there's like five trees, like just like two minute walk from my front door. And that's where I, I got these today. And I was like, oh, I'm going to start using these, which is really cool. And then I think it was last year I started, I was harvesting them a little bit later and I was pulling them. And then I, I realized I had this like, looked like my hands were covered in cheeto dust uh. <laughs> and i was like wait what is this and i thought it was pollen but then i was thinking about it and i said wait there's no flowers anymore it's all berries what is going on here and then i remembered looking at some of the berries which this is my second visual aid some of the berries looked oh look actually the oh the the, the cheeto dust is in here i didn't even oh, realize perfect. it was happening um i picked these today i thought it was too early for the cheeto dust it, um, i didn't realize that this was going to happen because when i put these berries in the jar there wasn't Cheeto dust, but now in this jar there is what looks like Cheeto dust. And you see how the berries look kind of weird? Oh, yeah, that's weird. Is this a fungus? It's a fungus. That's what I figured. And it is called um, cedar quince rust. And it is a fungus that requires both cedars and some kind of broadleaf, norm- either in the quince family or this is, I guess, loosely related to quince as well. And the fungus cannot reproduce unless it has both species nearby. And it starts on the cedar, and then it moves. The spores move to the quince, and it makes the berries look like they're like zombie berries. They really do. And those are the the <laughs> Cheeto dust is the spores of the of the fungus. So it's apparently like pretty like benign. Like it makes mm. the berries not edible, but it's not like they make some poisonous. And then yeah. birds still eat them. And and it, as far as I read, it doesn't really unless there's like a really really bad infection. It doesn't really even affect either species. Yes. But if you're trying to harvest the maximum berries, mm-hmm. like these these trees by my house, probably like half the berries look like these mm-hmm. little zombie berries. If you're just to describe for the audience, they look they look like a instead of being a little blueberry now, they're kind of green and and lumpier, and they've got these little orange 
spikes on them, which I guess is where the, the spores come out. So Yeah, if you have that uh, that fear of things with that specific texture, maybe don't look at the picture of this. <laughs> okay, sorry, did that, yeah, hopefully <laughs> oh, no, it's that. fine. Yeah. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've read a lot of horror books recently yeah, with yeah. Uh, fungus as a theme, and this would be great in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, so I was like, oh, that's really interesting. So um, that's, uh, that's uh, was like a, I, I guess that's my last fun fact, is this really interesting fungus. I have the Latin name here somewhere, perhaps, uh, in my notes of the fungus. Yeah, uh, Gymnosporangium clavipes. So anyway, if you remember that. There's a few other similar Gymnosporangiums, that is cedar apple rust, cedar hawthorn rust, and cedar quince rust. There's this mm-hmm. class of uh, funguses that need to start on a cedar, but then they need to go to a deciduous tree for some reason. And that's their whole life cycle is back and forth between the two, which I thought was super interesting. So that's, um, oh, the last one, which is my last visual aid and is also a little gift here, is this is service berry syrup I made today. Thank you. Um, This is syrup uh, that I made uh, with service berries and honey because I'm a beekeeper as well. Uh And so simple, simple syrup. Um, which is also a fun thing to do, which I've done mostly when I've harvested those. I've done syrup. I've also, one year I made some mead with the service berries, but I need to start trying some other stuff like jams or... A shrub. A shrub would be great. Yes, (laughs) Yes. wonderful. Anyway, well, that's... That's service berries. Any other any other thing to say? Any questions? Any curiosities? I think I have heard of June berries. Um, I spend some time out in um, middle of nowhere. Um, What's that? mountain range i'm sorry i'm the blue so, ridges or no the uh the shenandoah oh, shenandoah, yeah, yeah. shenandoah and so i believe um out there i've heard the term juneberry yeah so. that's the same one yeah yep. perfect i love uh local trash berries we have a um <laughs> a liqueur here made by apologue out of chicago and they they made a pawpaw liqueur once which oh, is cool. really cool yeah um, and then right now they have an aronia liqueur which is oh, chokeberry yeah. which is the the trash berry of the midwest so. uh, yeah 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 it's cool i tried to grow some of those in my yard they didn't make it uh, but yeah yeah i uh, i told them they should do mulberries next because we certainly have a lot of those around here <laughs> that's really cool yeah i had an episode a while back about mulberries and it nice. was really interesting i have one growing my yard i think it's going to make four mulberries this year but hopefully next year it'll really oh well really, there's one yeah. by my metro stop that is just dropping them everywhere so you have fun wonderful if you want to. <laughs> yeah yeah they're, they're a fun one. well cool well thanks for joining me on this episode of fruit bound yeah, and thank you for having me fennel and service berries because there's lots of berry flavor squeezed in every little bite that's why those berry berries taste so very nice and we're back in the bar and uh bar's still closed but uh jewel was kind enough to uh we're gonna we're gonna sample a little bit of something fennel related, as she yes. mentioned before, with this kumul, right? That, exactly. And then also we're gonna maybe try something with this, the service berry syrup. So first, let's talk about this cocktail uh, that you brought up. It looks beautiful. So this is called the Conundrum. It's on our current spring menu. It's got aquavit as its base, so good amount of fennel there. A little bit of the kumul, uh, zuka amaro, which is a rhubarb amaro, touch mm. of honey, and then rar stuns, which is a tangerine sour ale. Oh, cool. Um, uh, we had a rhubarb episode recently too, which is oh, nice. yeah, that was fun. Can I can I try? Yes, it? please oh, great. do. So it's in a this is a what, what do you call this glass? That again? is called a highball glass. A highball glass. It's got uh, ice and lemon in it. Let me try. Oh wow! Yeah, you can that uh, you can totally taste what the the kumul is with the the cumin, but also. The mm-hmm. fennel, and, and it is quite a conundrum, actually. It's really, it is, yeah. yes. <laughs> it's refreshing, but it also has this kind of savoriness to it almost, mm-hmm. which is really, 
Really good. Really good. Yeah. Did you come up with that one? I did. I don't nice. do beer tales often, but uh, sometimes I get them really right, and I'm very proud of this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was the saison in there you said again? Uh, it's not a saison. It is oh. a um, sour ale. A sour so ale. It's oh. a tangerine sour ale. It's oh. RAR Stunts. Oh, R yeah. Cool. Wonderful. Yeah, that's really tasty. Mm. And you brought some stuff up here. That to, to maybe go with a service berry syrup. What what, yes. what were you saying that would work well here? So this is a just regular gin and tonic. I use Citadel Gin, which does actually use fennel seeds in mm. its production. Oh, cool. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, then the tonic water is the Folkington's Indian tonic. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and we are just going to add a little bit of that service berry syrup. Looks I beautiful. Think we'll play I'm nicely. Take a picture before we. Uh, yes, this really is a beautiful color too. Go into photo mode on my camera here and take a nice picture. These these look really great. It's a great summer looking beverage. All right, let, well let's let's uh, give these a taste yes. and uh, give it a stir here. And I get that stirring sound on the mic. <laughs> and uh, let's give a good cheers and close out the episode. Thanks again cheers. for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, that's very nice. Very good. Would you like to taste the kumul on its own as oh. well? Oh, sure. Let's do that. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Thank you. It's very powerful, I'll warn you. So okay. Yeah, just a, a tiny bit. bit. Yeah. Well, look at that <laughs> bottle real quick before. It's a beautiful uh, bottle. Oh, yeah. It looks very nice. All right. I'm going to try this and then we'll really, yeah. uh, we'll really end the show. Uh, oh, yeah. That's very good. Wow. Strong. <laughs> it's really strong. I really, I really like it, though. Yeah. I'm going to have to try some of that stuff, too. Well, yeah. Thanks again. We're going to really close out the show now. Perfect. Uh, but uh, see everybody on the next episode. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Jewel Murray. Jewel is the general manager and creative director of The Gibson, a pre-prohibition speakeasy-style bar in Washington, D.C. If you're in D.C., go drink there. Rootbound is hosted by me, Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lunny. You know, Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but... If you can go outside, go and pick some berries. Even if they're not technically berries, they're like botanically something else. You know what I mean. Corn for the chicken, corn for the deer, corn for as far as you can see around here. Corn!